1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America a member FDIC.
2: What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3 on 3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley, Max Barr on the ones and twos, Nate Hansen getting some much-needed time off. We miss you, Nate. I know he'll be back better than ever next week. Guys, I want to start off by just thanking those who have rocked with us, who have finessed the subscribe button and left us those positive reviews. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and helping the podcast continue to grow. We appreciate you. Thank you. This one will be another good one. We've got a lot to tackle. But first and foremost, I want to start off with, as we do this thing from a socially distant perspective via Zoom, Jared, how you doing today, man?
0: Ah, doing good. The sun is out. That's nice. Uh, it's been out for the past couple of days and that's just uh, been a nice surprise. Um, I think that last night, Orlando, you mentioned that we would be recording on the one-year anniversary of when the NBA shut down and I, I think that's interesting. I've been reading some articles about that and what it was like that night and and, and going forward and uh, it is interesting to just reflect back on that, on on what it was like a year ago and how much has changed over the past year.
2: What a trip. Um, even when it happened, you know, like part of me felt that was the moment like, oh, this this could be a long time. But I don't think I had any idea it would be this long, that what was ahead would be this, you know doing the the podcast from from home from working from home just changing everything we do in our lives but when you look back on that day march 11th 2020 that was that was the moment like that's when the world stopped that's when the sports world for us just came to a screeching halt and then it was what are we going to do with our lives the 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 big picture came in and Gosh, what, what a ride it, it has been. Max, when, when you think back on, on that moment, you know, uh, when OKC came on the, <laughs> it basically said, we're not going to play today. The Utah Jazz, they're, they're not going to play today. Like, what went through your mind when you think back a year ago, man?
1: First off, it feels a lot longer than a year ago. <laughs> yeah, Is it just me? Doesn't it feel like that was like three years ago? But Totally. We were, I was in the KGW newsroom at that time a place I haven't been since, because the next day I started working from home and it was just surreal. To me, it's the day that you know, at least our country uh, started taking this virus seriously and hopefully a lot of good things have come out of it, but it it was surreal at the time.
0: It's interesting that it was the MBA that was a catalyst for that, for us to all kind of really look at this as as what it was. and to their credit, I think the NBA has done a, a really good job, you know, both that night deciding to shut down the league um, and and take really the biggest step possible that was did kind of send a shock to the system to wake us all up. But then since then, I mean, I think that for the most part, they've been responsible and kind of leading the way on how to follow guidelines. And, you know, they have – financial interests and and that's part of the business and that that's going to be part of it but I think in pursuing those financial interests I think that they've done a good job of kind of leading the way of how to for the most part responsibly try to get back to normal as as allowed and um, they did a really good job with the bubble I think for the most part I mean there it definitely hasn't been perfect but for the most part this season has been responsibly managed and so I I think the NBA deserves a lot of credit just for the way I mean, they're almost their leadership role in in setting an example for how to handle this.
2: It took some guts, for sure, yeah to to pull the plug and and to do it when they did, just in in the middle of of a season, right before a game. Like all of these things, even the the folks in Oklahoma City, to get on board and be like all right we're shutting this thing down until we figure out what's going on because even you know adam silver had been quoted in 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 some publications is you know saying hey we thought this would be like a 30-day deal you know and so here we are and as we kind of move forward even with this podcast and seeing the all-star game even go from one location to the other and it be in somewhat of a you know, low-key type scenario where only a select number of people were allowed into an All-Star game that is normally celebrated worldwide that is this huge, you know, must-see and uh, an experience for that city to have and for it to go and be moved to Atlanta where it's closer to, you know, TNT where, you know, everyone can be there to put the production aspect on. And that was my first question when I asked Dame about uh, the all-star game right after, uh, after the all-star game was, you know, what was this experience like for you? And, and before, and, and this was like right after, you know, the wrist tab game time, you know, hits the, the game winner, 32 points in the all-star game. And if it weren't for an insane stat line from Giannis, maybe we're talking about Lillard as the all-star game MVP, but I digress. <laughs> but asking him about that. And he mentioned just everything surrounding it, like getting in the day before there's no obligations to go take pictures, to do the the media scene, to do all these things. He just showed up and he, and he was like, it didn't turn into an all-star game until I was actually playing in the game. So what a trip that it's been. And it was, it's been really cool guys. Also, the fact that the Portland trailblazers got their first ever slam dunk champion and Anthony Simons winning it, you know, came so close to kissing the rim was really hoping that we'd see that. I know for people in Portland, uh, that was such a fun experience. I don't know if the rest of the NBA fandom feels the same way about how the slam dunk contest was with it being at halftime, everything just being condensed, all the events happening in one day versus over a weekend that we're used to. But I know back here, uh, there was a lot of excitement around Simons winning the, the slam dunk contest. For one, you, you love to see a, a young player get his moment to shine and to see everyone else say his name and to have that moment of his, I thought was so cool. And hearing from Carmelo Anthony last night, hearing from Dame the, during the All-Star break, hearing from Coach Stotts and a lot of these guys they're genuinely happy for their, for their guy to see him have that. And so that's what I I took away from that in them, celebrating a a teammate and forgetting all about everything for that moment and just having fun and enjoying the game. And some of those things that was difficult to do a year ago. So Jared, your thoughts on, on the all-star game experience, from, you know, the amazing performance that Damian Lillard had to Anthony Simons winning the Slam Dunk Contest. What was your big takeaway?
0: I thought it was really cool. I mean, you had to go into that with realistic expectations. I mean, so much of it was changed in in order to make it a safe experience for the people that were there. But I think that considering those limitations, they put on a great show. And just talking about the Blazers who participated, um, you know, Robert Covington didn't do too well in the the skills challenge, but he, you know, donated scholarship money to, to, you know, some students at his alma mater. I thought that was really cool. That
1: was a cool Um, moment.
0: It was, it was, it was great. And then um, I thought it was excellent that Anthony Simons brought some creativity to the dunk contest. I know that there was some people that were saying that it wasn't a very good dunk contest and, and that's fine. It was different. You know, it was condensed, fewer, you know, contestants. So maybe it wasn't as good as dunk contests contests of the past. But Simon showed incredible athletic ability, incredible jumping ability, was really creative with at least two of his dunks, you know, did a throwback Tracy McGrady dunk that was was fun to watch. And I thought he was a great dunk champion and a deserving winner. I mean, I do wish he had been able to kiss the rim. That would have been just nuts. I mean I would have set it off. Imagine man. him actually kissing the rim. That is such a dangerous dunk. I mean you could really mess up your face doing that. So
2: he said in moments before that uh he was trying to find a mouth guard that would just right. hit him but he couldn't find one. But oh I mean that that would have just been legendary status if he if he pulled it off.
0: Yeah it really would have been but it was fun and then just to watch Dame in the All Star game was was pure joy. I mean, to see him hit shots from half court and then at, you know, right before halftime when he hit the shot from half court and then encouraged Steph to do the same, that was a, a wonderful moment. And then to hit the the half court shot to, to end the game, you know, I mean, listen, because Giannis hit three, three pointers, I'm going to be okay with him winning MVP, even though everything else were just open dunks, but <laughs> m- maybe, maybe they should have been a co-mvp or something i mean dame deserved some some mention there
1: yeah if he'd missed those any of those threes probably looking at lillard mvp or maybe lillard yeah. and curry yeah. But yeah what a spectacular show i was just just laughing just giggling when they went back-to-back <laughs> you know half-court threes in the first half and and the game winner was tremendous and it was it was a really fun event and luckily um You know, nobody got sick as far as we know. Everybody was healthy and, you know, Embiid and Simmons couldn't play in the game. But um, fortunately, they they put them in the protocols ahead of time, you know, which could have prevented an outbreak. Who knows? But uh, it was a lot of fun and just a a great weekend to watch.
2: Yeah, it's super grateful just to to even have it, you know, because not that long ago uh, we were just hoping that one day we'd get a game. And so yeah. to have an all-star game uh, is pretty cool. And to have the, the Portland Trailblazers so well represented is, is so rare uh, to be on that platform, to, to have that exposure. so and, and also seeing Anthony Simons, I mean, he's such a laid-back dude, uh, very even-keeled type of guy. And the, the man was smiling from ear to <laughs> ear all yeah. night long. And I, I, I thought that was so cool. And um, just it was a it was a way to see these guys I think in another way that we haven't before. So just overall, I think it was such a success, uh, especially from our local standpoint and what we talk about with the Portland Trailblazers. And so here we are, guys. The the second half of the season is now upon us, and we we say this on on Thursday March 11th as the Blazers get ready to take on the Phoenix Suns who just absolutely smoked them embarrassed them the last time they played you could say it was Portland's worst loss of the season even uh, you know waving the white flag to, in the third quarter <laughs> or you know to start the fourth quarter like it, it was pretty bad so right out of the gate the Blazers get that first true test of the season we get to see what they're all about and, you know, the the watch is is on for Yusuf Nurkic, C.J. McCollum, when they'll come back. And we're going to really take a, a deep dive into that as one of our questions, because you know how we roll with three questions and three answers. And the one thing that, that just kind of took Rip City by storm over the past 24 hours was the big news involving LaMarcus Aldridge and the San Antonio Spurs and that. Lamarcus's time is, is up in San Antonio. The two have basically agreed to part ways. He's not with the team anymore. And the team is reportedly through Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN and, and other outlets that uh, they're working to, to try and get a trade done before the trade deadline. And, you know, the ESPN report even saying that the Spurs believe that they can get a trade done um, within a week or so.
0: Well, I but- said they're, they're hopeful. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, there's a difference between hope and belief
2: <laughs> totally totally and so we'll, we'll see what what happens there but you know the the trade deadline march 25th two weeks away so they're on the clock and so that leads us to question number one and that is lamarcus aldridge is available should the blazers try to trade for him if he reaches the buyout market should the Blazers try to sign him? And, Jared, I'm looking forward to this answer from you because you're a, a true Blazers fan. Like, you've lived it. You've gone through all this. You know what it was like to have LaMarcus in Portland. You know the, the good things, and you also know the bad things, the bad side, the, the, the heartbreak and all this. So I'm, I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say, Jared. So the floor is yours on, on the LaMarcus Aldridge topic.
0: I mean, I think LaMarcus's tenure in Portland was all good until the end. I think that, you know, the end of his, even, you know, the the final playoff series, he kind of checked out, and then he left Portland and went to San Antonio. Um, but in the years since, I think that most Blazers fans have forgiven him for leaving, I guess. Um, and, and a lot of that, I think, is because of the steps that he's made, not necessarily to mend his relationship with Blazers fans, but to mend his relationship with Damian Lillard, which... Was not, you know, always a, a super friendly relationship when they were here in Portland, but in the years since that they, they've come together and, and realized that, you know, the way they've said it, that a lot of other outside forces were involved in, in kind of putting uh, some roadblocks in, in their relationship and that they've been able to work that out um, to the point where, you know, multiple times in the past two years, LaMarcus Aldridge has talked about wanting to return to Portland and finish his career in Portland. Um, He said that on the record multiple times. So I think that there's definitely, definitely going to be interest from Aldridge to perhaps come to Portland. The question then is one, are the Blazers going to be interested? Does it make sense for them to bring LaMarcus Aldridge into the fold? And is it possible to, you know, put together a trade that, that works that makes sense? Um, And if not, then, then what about the buyout market looking at the trade? it's going to be difficult not just for the Blazers but for any team to really put together the pieces that it would take to to make a trade make sense both for the Spurs because they're not going to want to take on any long-term money or anything like that, and also for the team that's, that's acquiring LaMarcus Aldridge because he's not the same player he was certainly when he left Portland and not even the same player he was last season. So you n- need to be realistic about the player bringing in. Lamarcus makes 24 million. This is the last year of his contract, but that's the biggest impediment to to putting a trade together because any team that's going to acquire him would have to send back a minimum of 19 million in contracts to make the trade work. And so that, I mean, even if you looked at Portland doing that with a trade and they send back, you know, something around 19 million to make that trade work, that's going to push Portland over the luxury tax threshold. And I think that it has seemed obvious to me this season that they're trying to avoid that because they have that repeater tax that they want to avoid. They're probably going to be a luxury tax paying team for the next few seasons once Dame and CJ's next contracts kick in. So they're trying to avoid the luxury tax this season so that they don't get into that repeater tax. So would they be willing to change that for Aldridge? I don't think so, but I don't know. I don't know where their their heads are with that. I think if you look at – if the Blazers were gonna to try to put together a trade, I think Lillard, McCollum, Nurkic, Covington, Derek Jones Jr. And I think Gary Trent Jr. also, I think they're all off the table. I think they're off limits in a trade for that. So then any trade scenario you're looking at starts with Rodney Hood's $10 million contract. And then you have to come up with another 9 million in contracts to make the trade work. So just looking at it, I mean, basically you're looking at it, you know, maybe Hood, Zach Collins and Ennis Cantor for Aldridge, um, Hood, Collins, Nasir Little, Harry Giles, that would work. Hood, Collins, uh, Anthony Simons, and Harry Giles. Those are the kind of trades that if the Blazers want to make a trade for Aldridge, that's what they'd have to put together. Would the Spurs be interested in that? Perhaps. I mean, it's all expiring money and young players or expiring. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. But do the Blazers really, really want to give up young players like Collins, Little, or Simons for Aldridge? Do they want to give up a player like Cantor who's been really valuable and really helped them be successful so far this season, I don't think so. I don't think that the Blazers are going to even try to acquire Aldridge through trade. If another team sweeps in and trades for him, I think the Blazers are going to say, that's fine. Maybe we'll consider signing him to be our backup center in the offseason. But I don't think that they're going to try and put together that kind of a trade to get Aldridge. I just don't think it's going to happen. So then if he goes on to the buyout market, because I think other teams are going to be in the same boat as the Blazers. I think to make a trade work, I think that teams are going to find the price is just going to be too high to, to, to make that work. So I think eventually the Spurs are going to end up negotiating a buyout with Aldridge. And then you have the Blazers continuing with teams like the Nets and the Lakers and other contenders. If he hits a buyout market, I don't care what Aldridge is now compared to what he was you know, last season or in the past there's going to be a lot of teams lined up that are going to want to sign him. Cause he's still a good player. He's still a former all-star. He can still stretch the floor. You know, he's a good three point shooter. He's shooting 36% from three this season. He's expanded his game to include that in the past two seasons. You know, he's not the defender he once was, but he can still, you know, hit the mid range J. He can, he can still score inside though. He does less of that now. So there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to want him other than just the blazers. So then the question is, do the Blazers want him? Is, would he actually help the Blazers enough to where just signing him to a veteran's minimum salary on the buyout market, would that make sense for the Blazers? And then you have to look at what he is. He's 35 years old. He's approaching 38,000 minutes in the NBA, including the playoffs. So that's a lot of mileage. And if you look at this season, it's the worst of his career. He's averaging 13.7 points. That's his lowest mark since his rookie season. And he's averaging 4.5 rebounds. That's the lowest he's ever averaged. He's lost a step defensively. We talked about that. The Spurs have been a lot worse this season with him on the court than when he's on the bench. Uh, When he returned from injury last month, he came off the bench for for three games before the All-Star break. That's the first time he's done that since he was a rookie in Portland. And I think that he's going to maybe have to get used to that. I mean, there might be a team out there that can offer him a starting role, perhaps. But I think that the if, if Aldridge wants to be able to extend his career another season or two or three, he's going to have to accept a reserve role going forward and probably at the center position. I mean, I, I don't think he has the speed or the lateral quickness anymore. If you've watched the Spurs play, he's very slow now to guard power forwards, especially in the modern NBA. But I do think he can anchor a bench unit at the center position. I think he can you know, play good enough defense in the paint to make that work. And I think he's a player that can go out there and stretch the floor all the way out to the three-point line. But if the Blazers bring him in, they already have a backup center in Ennis Cantor. So you complete a trade, you bring Aldridge back. What does that mean for Cantor? Is Aldridge a better player than Cantor? I kind of think he is. And I know that, like, there's, you know, varying opinions about that. I, I think that they're probably similar defensively. That wasn't the case in the past, but Aldridge has lost a step. And I think that they're a different player on offense. I mean, you're going to lose offensive rebounding from Cantor, and Cantor's probably a a more skilled player inside. But Cantor can't stretch the floor, and there is value in that, and, and Aldridge can do that. So I think if you bring in Aldridge, I think you're going to have to guarantee him some kind of role, and I think that would come at the expense of Cantor. So if you're willing to you know, cut Cantor's minutes, even when Nurkic comes back and insert Aldridge as this, you know, the backup center and he's willing to take on that role. I think that's how it would make sense, but I don't know, you know, I don't know how others feel about that. I mean, I think it would be worth it. I do think Aldridge is an upgrade over Cantor. I think that if they bring him in and make him the backup center now, I think that maybe they could have him play here another season or two in that role. And I think he would be good in that role, but, um, but it is, it's, it's tough. And for me, it's, it's because it, it, it really comes down to who's a better player and it's Cantor or LaMarcus Aldridge at this point. And I think Aldridge is a little bit better, but it's close. So, so I think I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it, but, but there's, it, it's not like a slam dunk. So that's kind of where I stand with it. I Sorry love, for talking so long.
2: <laughs> no, I think that was all great. I, I think that you needed to kind of set the table on, on what it means, how you get there. Um, instead of, of just saying do you want him or, or don't you i think you need that context in terms of just how realistic is it right and from the nostalgia from the 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 story side of things the, the narrative for for what i do you know as a reporter like i love this i'm like oh this is such a great story he's coming home one of the franchises all time greats reunited things will will end great and he goes off into the sunset with the blazers and you know, they probably retire his number because they retire everyone's number here. So, um, yeah, like, the, the story there is great. Like, it, it's awesome. Um, but in terms of just the reality of it, it being a, a realistic trade, no. Uh, Jared, you, you mentioned the numbers and the amount of money that the, the Blazers won from just a, a tax, where, where they are salary cap-wise, and also – just what it's going to take to get someone like him here. A I mean, I think
0: 20. if they didn't care about the tax, I actually think maybe one of those trades could make sense. And it kind of depends on how you view Zach Collins. And mm-hmm. maybe I view him a little bit differently than Neil old shade is. I don't know. I'm not sure that I see Zach Collins. I mean, I think that if he's still with the Blazers in the off season, I think they will re-sign him, but I don't know if I see him as, as a future piece for the Blazers anymore. I think that, He's just been too injury prone. I don't think he's been super impactful when he has played. So, I mean, I think if you put together a trade that is Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, I mean, that gives the Spurs a young player that they could, I mean, they'd have to decide if it's worth it for them because they'd have to resign him in the offseason. But then giving up Ennis Cantor in that deal too, that's tough because I love Ennis Cantor and he's been so good, but that would eliminate that problem of having those two backup centers who both deserve minutes. So I think if the luxury tax issue wasn't a thing, then maybe you'd look at something like that where you make the trade for Aldridge. Now. I mean, if the Blazers are want to be all in, you make the trade for Aldridge and then you look and see on the buyout market, maybe someone like Otto Porter jr comes available and you sign him in the buyout market too. You do both of those things. But I do think the luxury tax is, issue is a concern. So I, I think because of that, I think that's the biggest reason a trade is unrealistic.
2: See, the, the, the angle with bringing in someone like Otto Porter, like that makes a lot more sense to me and yeah. why you would kind of reserve yourself for a player like that who fits more of a need, right? Unless, yeah. unless something comes up with, with Nurk or something comes up with Harry where you're just like, dude, we only have Ennis. you know? If we're in that situation then, oh, yeah, I'm like, okay, this makes sense to fill that need. But if en- Ennis is, continues to be the player that he is and you can you know, decide whether or not you think you know, you're upgrading, okay, that's fine. But if Nurkic continues to be on the path and the trajectory that he's on, there's your starting center. And then you've also had some promising moments with a guy like Harry Giles if and when he comes back. So just from that standpoint, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know how this really makes a whole lot of sense for them Besides the nostalgia and the love, uh, right. you know, to have him back with, with this team. But if it gets to the buyout market and he is a free agent, right? And then we're going to find out what does Lamarcus really want. Like, was that all talk, or does he truly want to come back to Portland, or is it all along? Like he said, he wanted to be closer to home. He wanted to win a championship. Those type of things. And if he wants to win a championship, like. Portland is so far down the list in terms of potential offers that could come across his, his lap in terms of Brooklyn, in terms of the Lakers, who knows? I I don't know, but Portland, I don't think would have a chance in that from that standpoint, if LaMarcus's ultimate goal is to win a championship, like this is his golden opportunity to to join a team, be that role player and do whatever is asked of him on a really good team. So we're going to find all of this out in the next couple of weeks. And I think it's going to be a fun thing to track and for Portland trailblazers also to keep tabs because this is somewhat of a polarizing topic. And I've, I've found it pretty entertaining from that standpoint too, because blazers fans have an opinion one way or another on this. Whereas, you know, a lot of players that are out there, it's kind of like, Oh, okay, we'll take him or, you know, wh- whatever, but it's a, it's a yes or a no. How are we going to get this thing done? Or this is stupid. We don't need him. He doesn't make any sense. Like, and I, 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 that's what makes this, this topic really interesting and why we, we put it so far up on the podcast. And, Max, I'd like to get your take on Lamarcus coming to, to Portland and if, if you're a fan of the idea or if you think it just doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, I, I have a question for you guys. So, so let's say that he gets bought out and the Blazers sign him. What do you guys think is the best-case scenario for the team Mm-hmm. this season
0: western conference finals i don't think it changes their
1: ceiling do you, so okay it doesn't change their ceiling so you don't think he elevates them to the western conference finals you think they already have that ceiling right now
0: i think that healthy if they're healthy i think that's their ceiling i don't know if i'd pick them to get there but i think that's their ceiling
1: so then then why why sign him is it just for the for the pr and the cool moment of seeing him come out in that jersey again and wave to the to the crowd who's not there right now but maybe at some point I, I just don't i just don't get it
0: yeah i mean it's that but i also think it's i do think that he would be a good backup center for the blazers going forward if he's willing to accept that role even at his advanced age i think that if you could get him in now and then it's that much easier to sign him in the offseason and just have him be your backup center for the next year or two I think that there's some value in that. I mean, I do think he's still a good player. Like, I know he's not having a great season, but he was really good last season. I mean, he's been, and and he he is, he's getting older, and maybe this is just the end of his career.
1: Yeah, but uh, but Jared, to your point of the Spurs being better when he's off the court, so Tim Bontemps of ESPN tweeted yesterday, San Antonio was outscored by 5.6 points per 100 possessions when Aldridge plays this season and they were outscoring teams by 3.1 points per 100 possessions when he doesn't. Yeah. So, I mean, this season is different than last season.
0: The Spurs are are a better team with Aldridge off the court. But I think the Spurs have gone in such a different direction that does not fit Aldridge's strengths at all. I mean, they're much more up-tempo now, and he can't play in that. And the Blazers aren't. I mean, the Blazers aren't a get-up. I mean, as long as Damian Lillard is running the offense, they're always going to be more of a half-court team. And I think that in both their offensive set and their defensive philosophy, I mean, I think that Aldridge can be much more impactful than he has been in San Antonio since they decided kind of in the bubble last season, we're going to change the way we play basketball. We're going to build around these young players. We're going to build around athleticism and speed and play an up-tempo game. That's not Aldridge's game. So I do think he'll be, I mean, I think that he can be better, not just in Portland, but in other areas or other you know, cities as well than he has been in san antonio because of the direction they they chose to go
2: yeah fit fit is everything and i mean case in point was was carmelo anthony you know like we've we've seen it happen before right here in our backyard so i i do think that 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 matters and if he makes it to to free agency you know and they the spurs buy him out and he says i want to come to portland and portland is able to get it done on a minimum deal or whatever hell yeah take it. I mean, he's,
0: it is a talent upgrade. I mean, yeah, you're getting like, another talented player.
2: Yes. That is an upgrade for this team. So from that standpoint, if all of these stars align and he's able to get to that point and not only that, but Aldridge says, I'd rather go to Portland than whatever potential contender may come knocking then. Yeah. Heck yeah. You get it done. Get, bring him back to Portland.
1: I think Orlando, you brought up a good point. Um... We just don't know what he wants right now. Yeah. But in my opinion, Jakob Purtle is better than Aldridge right now, and I think he's the starting center for the Spurs. And I think the Spurs also share that opinion. That's why he and the Spurs parted ways. He was not getting his starting job back. Yeah. And I, I think he's no longer an NBA starter. If you know, if the Blazers or any other team is at full health. So it comes down to what does he want? Does he want to chase a ring? Does he want to play starters minutes? I think um, time will tell. And that's tough
2: for a seven-time all-star, a player of his caliber, to be willing to take on that role, to change whatever it is that his mindset was. And like you said, Max, decide, okay, what is my priority? What is number one on my list? Is it that or is it winning a championship? Or legacy. Who, who knows? Like, every player is motivated differently. So all of these things will, will get figured out over the next couple of weeks for sure.
0: I think one other thing to consider is if he goes, if he's available on the buyout market, if the Blazers sign him, does that then, I mean, you have to, if a player like Otto Porter Jr., who I think, and you agree to Orlando, I don't know how you feel about it, Max, but I think he would be a better, you know, fit for this roster and what the Blazers need in the buyout market, does that then, you know, stop you from being able to sign Otto Porter Jr. in the buyout market because you only have such a limited amount of cap space. I mean, basically Mm -hmm. did one buyout signing. That's about it. So if you sign Aldridge and you miss out on Otto Porter Jr., are you shooting yourself in the foot? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Also, how much does Lillard care about this? You know, is it important for him to have Aldridge come back I mean, not just because Aldridge was a good player and and still has some talent, but because of the way things ended, is that important for him to come back and have that be fixed? I don't know. It's a good question. How much sway would he have with Olshay in that scenario?
2: That's fair. Yeah, and I think he would have a lot of say in it. Obviously, Olshay is going to be the one that makes that decision, but – you know, if, if Dame wants something, that's, that's going to weigh heavily in, in the decision. And I do think that part of Dame would be like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have LaMarcus back and, and, and do that. But I think if there is another player that is on their radar, that they believe they have a good chance at getting, um, that's going to make them better, that's going to get him closer to that championship – With Dame in his prime window right now, I I think that Dame's going to go the other direction and make that case that I would love to have LaMarcus, but if that gets in the way of us getting a player like, let's just say, Otto Porter, I'm going to go for Otto because of what that means for this team this season, right here, right now, in terms of making a run towards the ultimate goal.
0: And if bringing Aldridge back for the story is the main motivation, you can sign him in the offseason. He's going to be a free agent. He's probably going to be, you know, not get a lot of money in the offseason. and he's going to probably be a reserve going forward. So the Blazers could do that if that's what they want, or at least try.
2: So guys, let's, let's talk about question number two. And a couple of players who are actually playing for the Portland trail Blazers right now, uh, we're basically on injury watch from here on out folks and CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic are expected to be back very soon. Yusuf Nurkic was on the jump with Rachel Nichols recently this week and, and had mentioned that, you know, he's, he's a week or two out. He said he's almost there. So, I mean, that's a positive sign. And as we mentioned last week with TJ McCollum being cleared for, for contact at practice is a big deal. Uh, He was not able to practice McCollum on Wednesday. Uh, That was due to, Uh, protocol because he had to attend a funeral. So he was still in the testing phases and stuff. So he couldn't practice. And I think that's a big deal because that would have given us a better idea of how far along CJ was because you like to see him get in a practice before, you know, Stotts is going to say, okay, he's going to be available to play or, or here's how far back he is. And so I think we we need to wait until the Blazers get a practice before CJ can, make that return or we have a better idea of when, but ultimately these two dudes are, are getting closer to coming back. And once they're back, what should the Blazers rotation look like? Which player or players will lose minutes? What will the Blazers do with players like Gary Trent Jr., my boy, and <laughs> and it's Cantor, who is a friend of the podcast, by the way, who've been so effective filling in for McCullum and Nurkic. Jared, what do you think, man?
0: Um, I think that, What was interesting to me was hearing, uh, I think it was Terry Stotts who said that he still, even after McCollum and and Nurkic get back, he still wants to play Gary Trent Jr. 30 minutes a game. Mm. And that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of minutes. Um, I was just looking at it. I mean, you know, I think that when McCollum gets back, he's going to take all of the backup minutes of point guard like he did in the past. Um, So if you, maybe if Lillard plays 36 minutes, that gives McCollum 12 minutes of point guard, then you're playing him 24 to get him up to 36 minutes at shooting guard. If that's the way it goes, then it's not that hard to get Trent 30 minutes because he gets the other 24 minutes at shooting guard, and then that just leaves you give him six minutes at small forward. I don't think Trent should should play a lot at small forward. And I know there's been some talk about whether you know to get him more playing time, if he should slide over into the starting lineup at, at, at three at small forward. And I don't think he should. I don't think he's a good enough defensive player, especially against small forwards, to move Derek Jones Jr. out of that spot and replace him there. But I think that if you're getting him 24 minutes at backup shooting guard and six minutes at small forward, that's how you get to 30. And so I think that you'll still be able to get uh, Trent Jr. all those minutes, maybe not as many minutes as he's playing now, but pretty close. Um, I think Cantor's going to be fine. I mean, you give him a reduced role of 20 minutes or so, that's kind of what he signed up for. That's what he thought he was going to be getting coming into the season. He's a really good teammate. He hasn't, you know, ever given any indication during his time in Portland that he was ever going to be unhappy with, with that kind of role. And he's been a really effective in that role. So I think he'll be fine. I think that the players that will be there, see their minutes crunched, I think that uh, you're going to be looking at either Rodney Hood, Nasir Little, or Anthony Simons. Um, I think that for me, because McCollum's going to be getting all those minutes at point guard, at back of point guard, and because you want to play Trent Jr. All, you know 30 minutes a game, I don't think Simons is going to play. I think that he's going to have his minutes reduced completely. And so then I think it comes down to if you are going to have a nine-man rotation, it's either going to be Hood or Little. And I think Hood might kind of get the nod because he's a veteran and that's the way Stotts plays it. But I think maybe it should be Nasir Little instead. Hood hasn't been effective this season. He hasn't been good. And that might not be his fault. You know, he's coming back from a, a horrible injury to recover from. But Nasir Little has shown a lot this season. And I think that he deserves those minutes. So if it was up to me, you know, I would – Simons would be out of the rotation. You'd have an eight – you know, if you go with an eight-man man rotation of Dame, CJ – Derek Jones Jr., Rocco, Nurk, Trent Jr., Cantor, and Mello, then if you stretch that to nine, I think it should be Sir Little, but I think it might be Rodney Hood just because he's a veteran.
2: I like that, and Stotts usually operates at that eight- to nine-man type of rotation, especially as we get later into the season. I do think that Anthony Simon's minutes are, are going to decrease um and yeah like you said with Ennis like that's what he signed up for this is this is what Ennis was was supposed to be and what he's been open to to being all along and so yeah his minutes are going to go down to that that backup center role and so I I agree 100% with with what you're saying there's going to be a decision that has to be made between Nasir Little and Rodney Hood I think Rodney Hood is going to get the benefit of the doubt as well but if he's not producing at some point Terry will flip the switch with those two players and Nasir will have his opportunity. So as he's done all along, stay ready because Nasir will get his number called at some point and the guy, the guy comes in and makes plays. So I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, I, I agree with everything. The other thing that I would add, Jared, that is probably not a popular opinion because well, when he sits on the bench, the Blazers honestly are, have been bad. And that is uh, limiting Damian Lillard, Lillard's minutes at times. Like, I think that as we go into this stretch of games, especially over the next month or so, where they're essentially playing every other day, I think it's like 16 games in 30 days or something like that. So any time that Damian Lillard can get some relief and can sit out another minute or two here or there where he's not having to maximize those minutes, I think is a good thing. And trimming some of those minutes away from, from Dame would be great if they can afford to do it. And if CJ is back and is at full strength, I think that's truly a, a possibility for for Dame to, to sit out a little bit. And hearing Lillard, I think, slowly start to come around with the idea of load management uh, is a is big deal because I know that previous seasons dame really hasn't been a fan if if he's okay to play he's gonna fight to be out there if the game is out of reach and this game is over still lillard is trying to play so i've heard hearing him talk recently um at a couple of press conferences and lillard mentioned that you know he's had cj in his ear mention that hey man you you need to chill you, you need to sit this one out I think is a big deal. And I think that's going to matter as Dame continues to log these big minutes. So I think that's going to be big and just trimming a few minutes here or there to give other guys an opportunity, because I do think Gary Trent Jr. Has earned this opportunity to, to play more minutes. 30 minutes is, is big, but I think so far he's, he's proven that he can do it. But your, your other role players, you know, the a- Anthony Simons, CJ Ellaby, and then, you know, obviously, where are we at with Carmelo Anthony? How many minutes will will Carmelo demand? I think that he's going to get his minutes, but also Terry has to be able to ride the hot hand, so to speak. And if Melo's not producing or if someone else is having an off night, he's got to be able to to be willing to, to make those moves. And so far he has. And just looking at, you know, a, a stat sheet from, you know, early in the season when the Blazers took on the Kings and you kind of got an idea of CJ playing 29 minutes, Dame playing 30, Nurk right around that 23, 24 minutes, Derek Jones, Jr. in, In that 21, 22 range, Covington in the same, same amount of range. And that still gives you Carmelo Anthony who played 22 minutes, Ennis who played 20 minutes and Gary Trent Jr. Who played 31 against Sacramento and they won that game. So, I think there is an opportunity to do it, but those role players that you mentioned, Jared, will definitely be impacted by it. And that's kind of the name of the game. And that's what you signed up for as a role player. Sometimes you're going to be asked to play a lot of minutes and other times not so much. And if this team does return to full strength, that's what it's a good problem to have for Terry Stotts.
0: Yeah. And I think Simon's under, you know, a player like Simon's understands that. I mean, he may not like it, but I don't think he probably came into the season with this team at full strength thinking that he was going to get the kind of minutes he's getting now. So that is just part of being in the NBA.
1: I'd be surprised if Simon's minutes get cut completely. Um, Orlando was talking about it. Dame said he was going to be, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said he was going to be smarter about rest for the rest of the season. I didn't look at that and think he's going to sit games, although maybe he will. But um, to me, I just thought, you know, he's, he might play fewer minutes in some of these games down the stretch, and that would open up more time for Simons. And also, uh, I brought this up last week, I think, CJ may get rested in some of these games if they're back-to-backs. So that would obviously you know, give Trent all the all the minutes he can handle, Simons as well, we'll bump back up to how he's been playing recently. So That's a good like point. That. Depth is gonna is gonna be paramount.
0: Yeah, I mean the Blazers have something like thirty seven games in sixty four days or something like that in the second half of the schedule. They have a lot of back to backs, a lot of three games and five nights, four games and seven nights. So I mean you will need those players even if they're not playing every night. They're gonna need to stay ready.
2: Yeah. I, I think ultimately it will come down to Stotts being creative and how he's doing that. And I, I do think that that's what Dame meant by that too. I don't think we're going to see him load managing like an entire game, but I do think instead of 34, 35, maybe you're closer to 30 and other players are able to have those opportunities or yeah. If CJ is sitting out a night, then, you know, you're, you're cutting corners. You're, you're, you know, giving minutes here and there when you can, because you want those guys to still have that confidence to be able to come in and contribute when they're called upon. So, yeah, I, I, I do see that. But I, I ultimately, though, I, this is a good thing to see both players progressing and knock on wood that, you know, there is no serious setback. But with the way the Blazers' current schedule is set up, I, I do think it's going to be at least another week yeah. before we find out anything – concrete in terms of when either one of these guys can be back. But uh, Stotts had also mentioned um, in Wednesday night's press conference with Yusuf Nurkic that uh, he was on the bike and did spot shooting. So he isn't, you know, fully practicing with the team either. It just gives you a better idea of what your expectations should be and where they're at in their recovery with their injuries.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought going into the all-star break, I thought CJ might play in tonight's game, um, but I've had to recalibrate. I mean, I think that going, having to go to that funeral, which is fine, I mean, that's I'm not complaining about it, but having to enter into the COVID protocols and not being able to practice before the Blazers came back from the All-Star break probably set him back a little bit um, because it is tough to get practices in, and I think you're right, Orlando. I think that he needs to practice at least once um, before he gets back into a game, so it might be another week or two for both of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of been Terry's MO with with players who you know have cleared whatever they needed to get through and are have been okay and ready to play. He likes to see them just get back out there for a full practice and the way the schedule is built, it doesn't allow for that. It doesn't allow for practices. You know, they're they're going days upon days and I mean in this in this scenario, I mean, it could be about a week, you know, where you get a legitimate practice in. So, but I, I view it as, as promising and optimistic and Blazers fans should, at this point, be excited as they continue to, to make that, that comeback because this is a totally different team. You know, two of their three best players are back out there. Definitely. So, guys, let's, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming games. You know how we roll with question number three, and that is prediction time. And the Blazers will play four games between now and the next time we meet. Tonight against the Phoenix Suns. This is Thursday. The Suns 24-11. and 11. Back-to-back road games Saturday and Sunday against the Timberwolves, who are 7-29, and and then Tuesday at home against the New Orleans Pelicans. They're 15-21 and on the season. So, guys, which games do the Blazers win, and which games do they lose, Jared?
0: So Nate's not here to kind of update us on where we stand, and I don't have those numbers in front of me, so we'll wait until next week to, to get a full update. But Nate did send me his picks for games, So he's picking a loss against the Suns and wins against the T-Wolves in both of those games and a win against the Pelicans as well. So he's picking them to go three and one. Um, I was looking at the Suns game. The thing that's interesting about that game is that Devin Booker is listed as questionable. Mm -hmm. And Cam Johnson is also out. He's a good player for the Suns. Man, if I knew that Booker was going to be out, I think I'd pick the Blazers because Mm -hmm. I think that the Suns are a better team than the Blazers, fully healthy, but I think if you take Booker out of the equation, even with the the Blazers being shorthanded, I think that's a, a more even matchup, and I think I would pick the Blazers to get revenge, but I'm not certain whether Booker's going to play or not at this point, so I think I'm going to pick the Suns. I just think they're a better team than Portland, so I'll give the Suns a win. The T-Wolves are just so bad. I mean, even accounting for two games in a row against the same team, both on a back-to-back, I can't even pick them to beat the Blazers once, Um, They have seven wins all season. They've lost 13 of 14. They're a terrible basketball team. Uh, The Pelicans are weird because the last time the Blazers beat the Pelicans, I feel like the Pelicans outplayed the Blazers. And it took a superhuman effort from Dame, 43 points, 16 assists, and just a great performance in the fourth quarter just to beat the Pelicans by two. Mm -hmm. And now I think that – the. I mean, they should be so much better than they are 15 and 21 record. That team has talent. I'm so surprised at how bad they are. It's a weird team. Yeah, they really are. I mean, since the Portland game, they've lost five of eight. I just think, I I think the Pelicans should be better, but they're not. So I'm going to pick the Blazers to win that game. So I'm, I'm picking it the same as Nate. I was hoping
2: that, you know, we wouldn't go this way, but it really feels like that. Like, I want to go against, I want to go with my rule of when they're playing back-to-back games on the road, basically that second game is just so tough to win. But as you mentioned, the Timberwolves have just been hot garbage. Like they've been so bad. <laughs> they've been so bad. Uh, but I, I went back and forth on that one, but I'm going to go with what has worked for me so far the past couple of weeks. And that's just picking the teams that... If they've got a winning record, I think they're beating the Blazers. If they don't, I think the Blazers are going to win those games because, well, Damian Lillard is the ultimate, you know, decision when these games are super close. And so uh, I I agree with with your guys' picks, and I'm going to roll the same way where they lose to Phoenix but are able to bounce back with wins over the Timberwolves and
1: Pelicans.
0: Max, do you know if there have been any updates on Booker's availability?
1: I don't. Last I've seen is questionable with the knee. Yeah. And
2: I was I was just looking in in our um, kind of portal that we have right. for Blazers. yeah, I look there too. And the last one is 6 p.m. Wednesday night with as what you mentioned, Booker um, still being questionable.
0: That was definitely the game that I went back and forth on because of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if Booker doesn't play, I do think the Blazers can win that game, but but we'll see.
2: All right, gentlemen it's that time let's tap those wrists for the one and only max bar
1: guys it is great to be back with another week of ripping So on last week's episode, Nate and Orlando tied once again with three out of five correct picks while Jared put up a goose egg 0 for 5. This is your week,
0: Jared. It's your week, man.
1: I, I predicted a second half victory for Jared, uh, but it's, it's been a while since we've had a winner at all in Rip It. So let's go back to the All-Star Weekend one more time. Let's find out how you guys did in your Rip It All-Star Picks. And we are going back to the skills challenge. You guys all picked different players. None of them won. Jared, you went with Chris Paul. I thought Orlando, that was a good pick. Orlando, you he had Luka terrible. Doncic. Chris he Paul and worse. Luka Doncic both had buys in the competition, which I did not realize until the event was airing.
0: Yeah.
1: It didn't help. And then Nate's guy, Robert Covington, uh, was eliminated in the first round. So nobody got that one right. DeMontis Sabonis took home the skills challenge.
0: Next year, I'm picking a big man in that. In Yeah, Yeah, it's been the event of the big man in recent
1: years. We had Sabonis. We had Bam win it last year. So lesson learned. Next question was who will win the three-point contest? (laughs) Nate, Nate went with Zach Levine. Orlando, you went with Donovan Mitchell, and Jared, you picked Devin Booker, who hours after we recorded was ruled out of the entire weekend. Just unfortunate. And all of you guys kept saying, you you guys know Steph's going to win, right? And, no- and nobody picked him. Steph yeah, that won. That
2: was yours, Jared. That was yours.
1: You guys oh, all, so. as you guys said, you passed on the layup.
0: Yeah, Take the was, layup uh, next time, guys. Friday at 5.39 p.m., Nate. Texted to all of us who picked, who picked Booker in three point. And then I answered me, of course it was me. And then they answer with the laughing emoji and I won't, I won't read the rest because it's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was unfortunate for Jared there. So nobody got that one, right? So everybody's over two. Uh, yeah, by the way, the three tired. point contest, a lot of fun came yeah, down to the
0: last ball. Steph wins it. Why did we pick against Steph? so dumb
2: yeah it really was man i, I just know. laughed as soon as he won as soon as that last shot went in the money ball i was like this all makes sense
0: yeah see i thought if Conley could win i was going to make a case that i should i should get the, the point because <laughs> <laughs> he replaced booker i, I wouldn't i have know given max wouldn't have given it to me I, 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 <laughs> I was gonna i was gonna fight for it
1: <laughs> all right next question who will win the slam dunk contest and this is where all you guys redeemed yourself everybody picked Anthony simons <laughs> He won. It was great. Everybody's on the board. Love to see Next it. Next question, over or under 18 and a half points in the All-Star game for Damian Lillard, who in his, in his four previous appearances was averaging about 15 points per game. Jared and Orlando went over, and Nate went under. And that was a mistake. <laughs> oh, man. that <laughs> yeah, was. Because Lillard scored 32 points, including the game winner, as we mentioned.
0: Nate just, cra- it just did Nate crazy shooting. That, that Dame was going to try and take it easy. Or I was- guess, but there's just so <laughs> I, many. Dame there's so many good players.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so. Well, what we didn't know was LeBron was going to sit the second half. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dame started. Yeah. So that led to more minutes, but unfortunate zag there for Nate. And the wild card question of the week was, will the all-star game MVP be a player from the Western conference or the Eastern conference? Jared, you and Orlando both said West. Oh no. And Nate said East. Oh, (laughs) and Nate was right. It was Giannis Antetokounmpo 16 for 16 from the field, 35 points gets the MVP. And that means congratulations, Jared, all three of you tied with two out of five. (laughs)
0: Is that my first tie this year was I, I don't was completely defeated this completely defeated. I don't know. Maybe oh, it man. feels like it. Doesn't it
2: a wild card. Man. See, I can either
0: look at it as like another loss or I can look at it as I'm on my way up, you know, progress, progress, say, yeah, progress. Yeah, exactly just a stepping stone. So <laughs> I can feel my first win coming another
1: tie in rip it. All right. Well, <laughs> let's get to this week's game. And I do have Nate's answers. Awesome. So he is not here, but he is taking part. And we are starting with Blazers versus Suns on Thursday night. The question, who will grab more rebounds in the game? Ennis Cantor or DeAndre Ayton?
0: Hmm, that's a tough one.
1: I'll I'll go
2: friend of the podcast, Ennis Cantor, but that that's a tough one. Oof.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Cantor too. All right, it's a sweep. Nate is oh.
1: also going with Cantor. Moving to the Saturday game against the Timberwolves, the question is who will score the most points? Carmelo Anthony, Gary Trent Jr., or Wolves rookie Anthony Edwards? (laughs) That's a good one.
2: Why are you doing this to me, man? (laughs)
1: You're (laughs) going to have to choose.
2: (laughs) Not cool. Uh, Let's go three to the dome, baby. Let's go three to the dome.
0: I will go with Anthony Edwards. All
1: right. Nate is going with Mello also. Nice. The Sunday game against the Timberwolves. The question for this game is who will make the most three-pointers? Anthony Edwards, Robert Covington, or Carl Anthony Towns?
0: Give me the big man. Going with Kat? Yep.
1: In honor
2: of... Nate Hanson, I'll take his boy, Robert Covington.
1: (laughs) All right, Nate is also taking his boy, Robert Covington. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Blazers versus Pelicans. Over or under 29 points for Zion Williamson?
2: Go over. Big night for him.
1: Jared Jared mentioned uh, Dame's superhuman effort against yeah. the Pelicans. It was
0: he out-dueled the other superhuman Zion in that game. And Zion is just he's just eating the Blazers up. Every time they play it, it seems like I'm going to go over as well. All right, it's a sweep. Nate is going over. The wild card question of
1: the week. This is an oldie but a goodie and it's going to focus on the pelicans game how many blazers will score in double figures <laughs> against the pelicans
2: <laughs> oh this one is oh yeah you're you're right about that
0: <laughs> oh man i'm going to go with 5
2: sign me up for
1: 4 <laughs> All right, Nate said five as well.
0: All right. All right. I can, All right, I guys. Can feel it. It's my first win right there. <laughs> Stay tuned.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: We'll find out how you guys did next a, week. Fun as always.
2: <laughs> I really thought you had it, Jared. I thought this was your week, man. I was rooting I, for
0: you. The thing is, like, I'm so terrible at rip of this season that I I usually never kind of keep track of the Rippet questions during the week. I like to be surprised, you know, during rip it. but I did last week because I wanted to win so badly. I was keeping track of everyone. And so I knew that it was going to be another tie. And just like, <laughs> uh, just like pushed down on the playground again. So it's easier <laughs> when they're all happening in the same night too. Yeah, that's very true.
2: I'm not going to lie that, uh, having the, uh, rip it, all-star festivities, uh, made it even more fun for me to watch, you know, (laughs) because I was paying attention at least to the, uh, the skills challenge, obviously a three point shootout and the dunk contest. Like those were the ones that I, I I knew, but I, I totally forgot about the, uh, the wild card until you, you brought it up obviously. And I was like, yeah, I know I went West.
0: So my buddy, uh, Justin, he listened to the podcast on, I think uh, a couple days ago and he texted me. He's like, I'm listening to the podcast late. He's like, you got no rip it questions right again, didn't you? I'm like, no, I got two right. He's like, prove it. So I had to go through and show him. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You got two. (laughs) Even my friends are making fun of me. Oh, man. Well, hopefully you can dig out of this, Jared. Yep. That's my plan.
2: Nicely done, gentlemen. And once again, thank you to everyone for rocking with us, for subscribing for letting everyone know about the podcast and leaving those positive reviews. We appreciate you so much. We'll be back next week better than ever. See you next time.